0: Hey everybody, my name is Jason, and I am an alcoholic. And uh, <clears throat> so they they want us to, uh, when we're up here, talk about what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. And so what it was like for me is, you know, I uh, I moved around a lot when I was a kid growing up. My dad was actually uh, a preacher, and we were a missionary family, and we lived overseas in Spain. And um, so. Because of my dad's job, we were always kind of pick, packing up and moving and going to a new school and making a bunch of new friends, and, and it was always time to be on and, and always be trying to worry about what you guys thought about me, what what everybody else thought about me. Now I, I didn't want to ever say the wrong thing or make the wrong kind of impression on anybody, and that was kind of something that I that I carried with me while I was growing up um, until I discovered drinking and. Uh, Suddenly, when I when I discovered drinking, uh, it kind of took away that that uh, being afraid of what other people thought or, or uh, even caring what anybody thought. All of a sudden, it was like I, I was okay with myself. I was all right in my own skin. I didn't care what anybody thought about me. And, and you know, it's like a lot of people describe. You know, I'm all of a sudden I'm taller. I'm more good looking. I'm I'm more buff. You know, I can talk to people. And, and it was like you know everything's all of a sudden fit and, and i felt okay with myself and um and it worked for a while it worked for me for for uh for a few years and 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 it was like i started getting into trouble and like little things here and there and i remember coming to the u.s um when we moved back i was in starting in the ninth grade and i remember i was in the i was actually in casa bonita and we were going out to eat and we just came back to the u.s and i remember seeing that sign you know that says you have to be 21 years old to, to drink alcohol, and it, it's a crime to give alcohol to a person with under 21 years of age, and my heart just kind of sank down and just, oh, i got to wait six years before I'm going to be able to drink legally, and it was just like this devastating blow, you know, that I wasn't going to be able to drink, and, um, but, you know, but as, as a lot of you guys probably know, I figured out ways to get alcohol, you know, and, and it was just, that was our thing, you know, we were we were just drinking and partying, and that was what we did. Um and I, would, and I would associate with the people that did the same things that I did, and that drank like I did. Uh, so it seemed like seemed normal to me to wanna to want to drink all night long or drink until it was all gone. Um, and because of that, I was drinking a lot as a teenager, and it was hard for me to um, get any real consequences because the booze would always run out. You know, we, we would buy a bunch of these 40s, and, and they, would, they would be all gone by you know one o'clock in the morning, before anybody gets too crazy. And it's like, so you know, there's no problem. You know, everything's okay. Uh, and you know, and like I said, I start getting in trouble. First, it's the, you know, the minor in possession charge, and then it's you know, I'm getting two or three and four of those, and I'm getting probation, you know, and um, and then they're putting me on probation and they're giving me UAs, and it's like, uh, all right, so I'm not going to do any, any more weed or any of that stuff, you know, and uh, you know, drugs are a part of my story, but uh, I'm not a real big one, but uh, so I'm getting into in trouble, and and as as more time goes by, the trouble starts to get worse, you know, then. And I graduate to DUIs, you know, and, uh, and uh, I go in for my, you know, DUI classes, and I, and I remember I went to this Halloween party. Like, my, my favorite uh, method to try to drink, control my drinking was that I would, I would stop at midnight, you know, and, and I remember I was at this kegger, you know, and, and whenever I'd be at a kegger, I was always the guy with the tap in his hand because I wanted to always have my cup full. And the best way to do that is to be the guy with your, with the tap in your hand, and you know filling up the other people, and then you know oh, I got to fill up mine now, you know. And so I remember I stopped at midnight, but uh, you know I had drank probably ten or fifteen drinks, and I came in the next day for the first alcohol classes ever on my first DUI, and it was, uh, and they were like, we smell alcohol on you, and they gave me the um, breath test, and and I you know blew hot, it was like really small numbers, but it was still enough, and they and they called my probation, and they said. Uh, we're gonna get them on the antabuse then, and uh, if you guys don't know what that is, it's this pill they give you, um, and uh, whenever you drink, you, the alcohol turns to formaldehyde in your bloodstream, and you get really, really sick and uh, like throwing up. And um, so I, I, I didn't drink on the antabuse, but um, that whole time that I was sober, I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of the other drugs or anything like that. I was just stone, totally bone dry, like we say around here. And um, and but but every every minute of that, I was always if I was awake i was I was telling myself i'm gonna I'm gonna catch up you know I'm gonna go back and i'm gonna and I'm gonna really hit it when i when I get off this abuse stuff and you know make up for the lost time and so um, what happened was in the same summer i, uh, I, I they let me off this abuse stuff um, and I went on this trip to back to Spain to visit my friends and I decided that summer that um, it was okay for me to use drugs all of a sudden you know it became okay for me when I was in this kind of catching up, you know, it was like so I'm going to catch up on my party, and I, I'm I'm okay now. If I can do some other things, and um, so by the end of the summer, I turned 21. I'm going to bars every day, and I'm starting to mess around with drugs a little bit more. And uh, somehow, I landed myself in this mental hospital in Louisville. It's called Centennial Peaks, and um, and I had uh, I had been running away from this place, and, and you know they would say they say well wha- how come you're not allowed to have shoes and I and I'll say oh give me my shoes and i and you'll find out and they give me my shoes. <laughs> Then I would like jump over the fence and take off running, you know. And then a few days later, the cops would pick me up and throw me back in there because the hospital, you know, would uh, put warrants out or whatever. And and so I remember I'm about two weeks into this place, and uh, and I and I found out that my uh, insurance was going to run out. So the the medical insurance was going to finish. And and in my own sick thinking, I thought, okay, no more insurance. They can't pay for the bill. They got to cut me loose, right? Um, well, that wasn't yeah. what happened. They uh, the head uh, shrink of the place came to me with this um, letter in his hand and into my room. And he goes, and he goes, uh, you know, we need you to sign this document, you know, and you need to start doing what it says on this document. And I and I told him, you know, basically to you know take the paper and put it where the sun don't shine, you know. But I didn't talk like that. I, I said worse stuff to him. And uh, so, you know, he left. He leaves the paper in there, and he, or before he left, the, before he left the room, he says, well. If you If you don't do this if you don't start complying and you know and start doing everything we're asking you to do here we're gonna we're gonna turn you over to the state and uh, then you'll become a ward of the state and you might never see the outside of a hospital for the rest of your life and um when I heard that it was uh it was a serious deal all of a sudden you know it was like the wheels had fallen off the car it was like the 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 whole thing had hit a brick wall you know and um and I knew I didn't want that to happen you know it really felt like the party was over for me and that that i i uh, i didn't want to be locked up forever like this guy was talking about so uh that night in the room i did, i wasn't sure if i believed in god or not or or if i really believed there was a god um, but i got down on my knees and i begged for him to get me out of that and i and i and i said please just get me out of this you know i'll do whatever whatever you want me to do and uh so the next morning you know i i signed their document and i did what they you know did everything they were wanting me to do, and one of the things was to uh, attend the weekly AA meeting in this hospital, and I've actually been back there, um, and it was funny, I went back to the meeting, and they were like, oh, you did treatment here, and I was like, oh, I didn't call it treatment when I was here, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it, it was it was pretty great going back there too, but, um, so I, I started going to these meetings, and, you know, I, I, was, I was a cross-talker, and I was a talk-out-of-turn kind of person during those meetings, and, and, uh, and, uh, but something actually got through, and I think that was, that was God reaching, reaching down and, uh, and, and touching me that for that first time. You know, We talk about in here that um, God recognizes any kind of move in his direction, and I think um, me making that prayer, um, w- it was answered by him putting the seed in me about Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd love to tell you guys I walked out of the hospital and, and stayed sober, but that's not what happened. I still had to prove to myself that I wasn't an alcoholic. I had some information about AA. And I, and I was going to prove that I'm not an alcoholic. And, and the way I did that was I was going to control my drinking, and I was going to count how many drinks I was having. I was going to make sure that, you know, I was always the one deciding how much I was going to drink and if I was going to drink. And I would do things like bring a pen with me to the bar, and I would write on my fingers how many drinks I would have, and then I would wake up in the morning, and I'd be, like, covered in puke or, or, or urine or whatever, and, and, and the ink would be all smeared all over the place. And I would go, well, I guess that plan didn't work. I'll try something else. You know, and um, so I went on like that for a few more years, and and I started piling up more of these DUIs, and on the uh, finally on the fourth one, they decided they didn't like that very much anymore, and they they threw me in jail, and so I I went to do a year sentence in the Boulder County Jail, and uh, and um, so I was in there, and uh, still didn't want to admit I was an alcoholic, still didn't want to admit there was really a problem with my drinking. It was always just if those cops would just leave me alone, and if those shrinks would just quit trying to say I'm crazy. You know everything would be okay you know and um, so I sat in this jail for uh, eight months on a, on a year sentence and uh, and every day I was in there I, I promised myself that I wasn't gonna get in trouble again and I promised myself that 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 this wasn't gonna happen again I wasn't going to end up back in jail uh, but I wasn't going to meetings I went to one meeting just because somebody uh, one of my friends in there suggested I go uh, but i I only went to the one and um, and I remember I found out later that this is this is actually the, uh, the obsession of alcoholism that um, they let me out of this jail, they gave me this special probation where I had to check in with them everywhere I was going. I had to tell them, I'm going to work now and then I'd, you know, and then I'd go to work and then i call them up, I'm going home now and every place that you go you, you had to tell them where you were going and they had me on breath tests and, uh, and UAs and everything and, uh, and I remember sitting there in my job, I'm working in this gas station and, and the thought kind of came into my mind, why don't you have a couple of drinks you could get away with it. You've earned it. You deserve it. And uh, around here, that they describe that as the, the uh, obsession of alcoholism. That, that even though I've got lots of good reasons not to drink, that if this thought will pop into my head that tells me that drinking is a good idea. And um, so, so I, you know, I, I went across the street to the liquor store and I got uh, a couple of 32s and me and my friend poured them into the, you know, the cups, the gas station cup and. Uh, you know, and so we're drinking there on the job and you know, and, and it went so well that, you know, I didn't get in trouble the next day or anything and I thought, Hey, this, you know, this is working out pretty good. Within a week later, I'm back in that same jail, sitting in the intake, it's twenty four hour lockdown, you get a lot of time to think about what's going on and I and I'm asking myself, How did this happen? How come I'm back in jail after I promised myself all those days that I was in there that it wasn't gonna happen again? Here I am again, you know. And I had you know, I had told myself it was okay to drink and you know and the next thing I know I'm back in that jail and uh, so you know I finished out my jail sentence and you know and amazingly enough i didn't get into a whole lot more trouble for a couple more years um, but um, but just because I wasn't having legal problems, I was still an alcoholic and I still had a lot of other consequences in my life. my relationships were falling apart and uh you know and and I was having a lot of uh, uh, people that were kind of starting to drop off that didn't want to be around me anymore because of the way I got when I would drink and um, until finally on uh, New year's the first hours of 2003 I'm driving we went to this big party where it was an open bar and uh, and in like an old governor's mansion on downtown Denver and and my friend was a lot drunker than I was my date she was like falling down and throwing up and everything and so the valet's giving us the car and I said, Well, I guess I have to drive the car, you know, because she's falling down, she'll crash it, you know, and so I get behind the wheel of her car and uh, and I crashed into the back of uh, um, another car in Colfax and Grant, downtown Denver, right on the top of the Capitol Hill. And that was the UI number five, you know, and I'm sitting in the back of this cop car going, How it, you know, how come I keep doing this to myself? Why do I keep doing this to myself over and over. And uh, so I'd already done the jail thing and I and I decided I don't jail very well. And I, I'm not going to try that one again. So I, I, I was starting to kind of grasp for ideas of how, what am I going to do now. And um, my same friend that, that I crashed her car, she said that her dad kind of got out of going to jail by going to treatment and that the judge let him do a treatment stay instead of having to go straight to jail. And I thought that sounded better than going to jail. So I went and started calling around and this one was $10,000 and that one was $25,000. And I was like, well, oh, I don't have $25,000 or $10,000. Uh, and then I found one that was free. and all you got to do was go in there and uh, and work for them. And they didn't give you a lot of information about it. Um, but I went over there and ended up checking into this place, and it was six months long. and it was like, all right, six whole months that i I don't have to be in jail. Well, I, I'm in there for about the first two weeks, and and my plan was that I'm just gonna lie to them like I'd lie to everybody else. my my whole drinking. it was always, I'll tell you what I think you want to hear if if that's gonna get you to lay off me and leave me alone about about my drinking and uh, you know and they they pretty much saw right through me and they said you know you gotta you're gonna have to get a real program and you're gonna have to get honest about what's really going on with you or we're gonna kick you out of here you know and um, and so I'm in there and <coughs> you know they're telling they're getting ready to kick me out for you know just not doing anything and um, I remember sitting in one of these meetings that that they would bring into the treatment center and the guy was talking about alcoholism, and I remember what I used to do when I would sit in these meetings is the people would talk, and, and they would be describing their drinking, and I would and I would you know kind of listen to what they were saying, but I would wait for something about the speaker to be a little bit different than me, so I could point the finger at that person and say, I didn't do that, I'm not like that person is, I'm not an alcoholic, and I would just kind of close off my ears and stop listening. Uh, well, finally, I'm in this place, and this guy's talking about his drinking, right, and uh, and he was actually talking about waking up in a puddle of his own urine. And I thought to myself, all right, well, this guy wouldn't say that just to impress me or to make me feel better <laughs> or to, to, like, make me feel more comfortable. That's probably something that, that really has happened to him. And so, and then my next thought was, well, here he is. He's talking about it, and it doesn't embarrass him to, to say that. And, and it was like, and that's happened to me a few times, and that really embarrassed me a lot. Um, and, and, I, and I just kind of was enough to shock me into listening to what the rest of what this guy had to say, which is the message of AA that I didn't have to keep on living my life that way anymore that I didn't have to keep on doing those kinds of things and that whatever my consequences look like, I didn't have to keep having them if I, if I was willing to grab onto this program and, and, and do some of the suggestions that we have and um, so pretty soon after that I started you know getting, getting around the people that were doing the deal in that place and and as soon as they let me out to do some outside meetings, I, I met, uh, I met this guy and asked, asked him to be my sponsor. And uh, you know, we started this process of uh, of sitting down and, and you know, doing the steps. Uh, the only way I know how, which is to sit down and, and read the book Alcoholics Anonymous and and discuss what it says in that book. And he would explain to me how it, how it related to his sobriety and how it helped him. And he would and he would take examples from his own life um, and and how they related to what the book was describing. And then when there was instructions, he would ask me to do some things. And um, you know, and, and through that process, I started to started to get this this recovery thing. And um, I won't describe all of my step words, but I, but a couple of them that were really kind of like like game changers for me. Um, the four step. Um, I don't say this to scare you guys, but just so you guys don't make the same ma- mistake that I did, if you haven't been through it. Um, I, uh, I was a half-measurer, it says half-measures avail as nothing, and, uh, and that's exactly what I did when I first got to the four-step. We went over all the instructions, and, and we sat down and we talked about what I was supposed to be doing, and then, uh, and then I went back to, to the treatment center where I was staying at to, to work on my four-step, and um, there's a part in that four-step in that, four that asked me some questions about what's my part, where it says, um, uh, where had I been selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, and afraid? And the way that I was working it was where had I been selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, or afraid. And there's an important difference between the word and and the word or. And means I got to answer all those questions and I got to put all those words into a question form and make an answer for it. Or means I can pick and choose whichever one I want. And uh, I was doing it like or and I was picking and choosing and saying, uh, all right, I might have been selfish here and then I would answer and then I would move on. Well, my sponsor didn't, didn't really appreciate that I was doing it that way. And he was this big guy, he was about uh, 250 pounds and 6'5". And, uh, and I remember I sat down in his apartment to read this half measured four step to him. And um, I started reading it, you know, and, and, he, and he jumps up out of his chair and he grabs a notebook out of my lap and he says, this is bull, you didn't do any of what I asked you to do. You need to answer all of these questions, you need to answer everything and find an answer to each one of these defects, for each one of these resentments. And I remember him, he's, and he's yelling at me and it's like, I know he's bigger than me and I know he's sober. So I, I wanted to punch him, but I, but I knew that that wouldn't be a good idea because he'd probably beat me up. So I just sat there and I, and I listened to what he was saying, which was that I was either going to do this program the way it's described in the book and answer all of those questions or I could hit the road and I could have my misery back. And uh, so I left his place. and. Um, you know, up until that point, the fourth step was real easy, but after that, it was difficult, and it was hard for me to find all those answers to those questions. But I started asking people around me. I, I would look for the people in that treatment that were also on the fourth step and ask for the, their help. And if I was confused about something, I would call up my sponsor <coughs> and I would ask him, you know, how do I do this part? You know, and and I started really putting the effort into it that I needed, because the the lying and the conning and the manipulating wasn't going to fly when it came to doing the work of this program. That, that con wasn't, wasn't going to be able to, uh, to fly with, with doing this work and, uh, you know, and so I, I got through that part and, uh, you know, and did, did it as honest as I could and, uh, you know, and, and I started to grow. But uh, For me it's like I, I didn't feel better right away. I might have started to change a little bit but it's like the book talks about that the friends of the newcomer notice before he does and that's kind of how it was for me. I was still kind of walking around in my own head, calling, my, calling myself a piece of garbage, when, when really I was growing and I was and I was making some progress. Um, but but when I finally got to that nine step part and, w- and I was going to make those amends to people, um, a really amazing thing happened. When I, I was going to make amends to my mom and dad, and uh, I had um, I had done some pretty rotten stuff, and I, I pretty much milked them for all I could with, with money. But uh, but I had also um, basically made them a criminal by association. I would run, you know, I'd, I'd skip my court dates and then I'd be staying in their house and I'd have court, you know, warrants from this county and that county and the other county and, and you know, therefore they're harboring a fugitive by me even staying in their house. Um, so when I go to make this amends to them, you know, the way my sponsor described it, that I, I tell the person, you know, here's what I did to you and I'm sorry for doing that and then I say, what can I do to make this better? And then I shut my mouth and I listen to what that person has to say. And uh, my mom, she says to me, um, you know, just keep doing what you're doing for your sobriety. Keep, keep going to your meetings and doing all those things that you need to do for sobriety. Because we missed you when you were out there wasting away your life, you know. And and for the first time ever, it was like I, I can really, I can really do this. You know, I can really be one of those people that I hear in the meetings that enjoy their lives and that, that are getting the most, the most that they can out of this program, you know. And um, and so from there on, it was like. You know, I was I, I got on fire with AA and and was kind of riding that pink cloud that we talk about. You know, and and things were really great and a lot of the outside circumstances of my life started getting really good. You know, I got some, I got I out treatment center. They gave me a job with with the same people and, um, you know, I had a job. I went back to uh, to college and got my degree. I got married and and now I have two beautiful daughters um, that have never seen me drink and, um, you know, things, they started getting better and better. Um, but they, but they didn't necessarily say that way. It was, I kind of got to this place um, of uh, of complacency where I was I was not doing as much as I had done in the beginning of my sobriety. Um, you know, I, I I liked a lot of the different meetings around town, and I had lived in a couple different parts of Denver, so I was going to meetings in Denver, and I was going in Aurora, and I was coming here, and so I was like all over town. I might as well have been introducing myself as a visitor at each one of those meetings because I would only show up to to them I'm only doing three meetings a week, and I'm going to four or five different clubs, so I might as well be saying I'm a visitor because I only you're not going to see me again for two more weeks. And, um, and and it's real hard to get connected to the program and get connected to people uh, when you're doing that. And um, and at the same time, it was kind of like my wife was saying, well, do you really need to go to so many meetings? And I would say, well, maybe I don't. You know. And, and, and so I was only going to a couple meetings a week. My My first sponsor that I had that had got me through the steps, we kind of had a a couple of uh, conflicts of interest where he'd come to work on my job, and, and, um, and so we just kind of decided it was time to part ways. Well, this other guy that I asked to be my sponsor um, was also my alcohol counselor, because I was still doing the alcohol classes well into my sobriety. Uh, but um, so he says, you know, I can't be your, ca- your sponsor because of my job, and there's a conflict there. And so instead of asking somebody else, I just kind of was like, oh, well, I guess I don't really need a sponsor right now. And uh, so I'm not going to enough meetings. I don't have a sponsor. I'm not sponsoring other people. Um, <coughs> you know, my my main commitment was a meeting in this treatment, but I also worked there, so it was like I'm not supposed to sponsor those guys, so they're asking me, but I can't sit, tell them yes, and it's like my my program is just kind of getting by on a thread and uh, and I, and I pay a real heavy cost for that. Um, I started to behave in the in the way that I used to behave when I drank, you know, especially in my marriage, I started to treat my wife. The way that I used to treat people when I was drinking, you know, and uh, and uh, that's a result of, of me not doing the things I need to do to stay to stay spiritually fit. And um, so we had a, we had a time when we were it was just fighting and fighting and fighting, and you know, three four nights a week we would just be arguing, you know, until two three o'clock in the morning, and I'm getting up and going to my job, you know, four hours later, and it's just it's just wearing on me and wearing on me, and um, and in the end of that was we had this huge this fight basically um and uh you know the cops got called and we both got charged with domestic violence and you know so I'm, I'm sitting back in a jail cell again with almost five years of sobriety going going how did this happen you know and uh and it was like time to to really take a look at what did i been doing in my program you know am i doing what i'm supposed to be doing or am i doing just enough you know our uh, our co-founder bill wilson talks about that uh that good can be the enemy of great, you know, and, and, uh, that's kind of what was happening to me. And, um, you know, I, I got a new sponsor at that time and, uh, started getting back into the step work. I started coming to the same meeting here, coming on a regular basis and getting to know people, uh, you know, and eventually the, the domestic violence charge went away and, um, you know, uh, that part cleared itself up, but, uh, but I understood that, that I needed to, I needed to really step up my game when it came to, what am I doing for this program, you know, and there could be people out there that can get by on two meetings a week, but I'm not one of them, you know, and, and I need to do this thing like my life depends on it and like I'm brand new because I want I want all that serenity and that peace. I don't want just a little bit of it. I want it all, you know, and the half measures availing me nothing, you know, I I want to be able to, to enjoy my life and I want to be able to get along with the people in it and I want to be able to, you know, be the best husband and father and and, and uh, a member I can be. Um, you know so I got I got real fired back up with this program you know an amazing thing one of my good friends told me while while I was kind of having a lot of this these uh, problems in my marriage that uh um you know that one day maybe I'll be able to help somebody else get through something like that and it's like he, it's almost like the words were divinely inspired cuz now we have a, a group of people that we get together young couples and we just kind of fellowship and and get together and hang out and talk about being married and and uh Al-Anon and AA kind of Situations, and it's like you know, God can God can show me show me a different kind of way of doing it, you know. And uh, all I have to do is is stay willing and and be willing to keep showing up and and doing the things I need to do. And today I've been able to see a, another person get through the step work, and uh, you know, it's it's just amazing when to watch to watch this program take hold on somebody and to watch this this uh, this thing grab onto somebody as they they clean themselves up, because like I was saying, you know, when I was, when I was in the middle of step work, I didn't think I was getting any better, I still kind of, would walk around telling myself I, I was a piece of garbage, but when I see somebody else do it, and when I see somebody else, their relationships, and the way they react to life, and the way they're, they get along with other people, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's like a miracle, you know, I can really, <coughs> I can really start to feel useful, and start to feel like, um, like I'm getting the best that I can out of this, and, uh, so I'm real glad to uh, to be here speaking at my home group, and I'm glad to have a home group today and understand the importance of that. You know, that sponsor that I have now is he's a guy that's just on fire and doing all kinds of different things for AA, and it's like, I just I would watch him and I would say, I want what he has, and it was just like being brand new. I want what he has. I'm going to do what he does. You know, and I would follow this guy around, and you know, and, and he's one that goes to the detoxes and the jails, and you uh, know, and it was like, I, you know, if I want to have what he has, then then I got to do what he's doing. And, uh, and it's been an awesome ride um, ever since. And it's like, it's like I tell people, I've been coming to Vitality for seven years. Like, oh, and really? <laughs> they go, really? Because They didn't know me. <laughs> <you> know? <laughs> the, more than three years ago, most people didn't even know me because I would, I would just kind of pop in here and there. You know. And, uh, and uh, today it's different. Today I, I show up to the same place and, you know, and, and I get to know people. And, and it's like we're, we're like a family here. So I'm all glad to, to be here. And, and uh, thanks, Benita, for asking me to share. That's all I got.